0: and now a message from pastor josh carmody good morning everybody i'm josh i'm one of the pastors here at new covenant and it's good to see you all here uh in the sanctuary this morning and i know uh, there's people watching online so welcome thank you we're glad you're here as well and um we are mixing things up a little bit if uh, this is maybe your first time here maybe you don't come as often um uh, normally at this time, we would t- ha- we'd we talk about offering, and we'd go around and greet each other. Um, we've decided just to cancel that portion of our service for the rest of the month. Um, we're going to touch people less, all right? Um, so handshakes and hugs and all that stuff. And uh, offering will be at the end of service. There will be uh, buckets in back, and so you can drop your tithe and your offering there. Uh, you can always give online. Those of you that are watching online or those of you in this place, you can always give online. And you know, with uh, everything going on with the coronavirus and um, just everything that we're hearing on the news and that we're reading and that we're, that we're seeing, I, I want to remind us and let you guys know this, us having a service today is not like a statement that says we are not going to listen to the government and we are going to do whatever we want. Um, that's not what today's about. I just want you to know, uh, we celebrate and come to church because we believe there's a reason to celebrate and come to church, and that is our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who is King above everything, amen? So, so just so there's not any confusion, that's why we're here today, okay? Um, and uh, that's what we're here, that's what we're doing, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you watch the news or you read the headlines, um, it induces this thing called panic. Have you ever noticed that, generally speaking, when you watch the news, when you read the headlines, that there's very little peace? I mean, you probably get done watching, and there might be like a good, like, little piece about some good-natured something that happened, and someone saved the puppies, or, you know, something happened, it's like, oh, that was cute, and that was great, but then the next thing is like 14 dead, right? I mean, it's just like, it's just panic, right? Panic, And and I want to encourage us as followers of Christ to to instead of panic, that we should have peace instead. That peace is greater than panic, right? That we should have faith instead of fear. That we should trust God instead of living our lives in terror, right? I mean, we could do this all day. Dad's got another one for you later. P-Max got one for you. It's a great one. It starts with an H. I'm not going to give it away. It's a good one. Um, But let me read you this scripture. Um, It's John 14. It says this. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm leaving you with a gift. Everybody say gift. Gift. So I'm leaving you with a gift. Here's the gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift. Look at this. The world cannot give. You cannot find peace in the world. Then he says this. So don't be troubled or afraid. So the world hasn't given us a gift. The world has given us panic right? Jesus gave us a gift, a gift that the world cannot give us, and that is peace. So do not be troubled or afraid. That would be something I would say to you this morning. Second Timothy seven says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. Some scripture translations say sound mind. When we when panic and hysteria and mass confusion and all of this, God says, no, I want you to not fear. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but love and power and a sound mind, a sound mind to make good judgments for yourself. And so that's why we're here this morning. We gave you that option. You can watch online or you come join with us, and I'm so glad you're here with us today. And please remember this too. When you're out and about and talking with people and people are posting stuff online and you're just getting mad inside because you're like, man, what is going on with all these people and why are they thinking? Listen, let's show people love instead. Like that song, like let's show our neighbors love. We've been talking about, we've been singing about that today. Show everyone love, those around us. Let's love them. Let's instead point them to a Savior whose love casts out all fear. I mean, yeah, I guess we could make fun of people and I guess we could spread dissension, but I would much rather we point people to Jesus Christ whose perfect love, the Bible says, whose perfect love casts out all fear. You want to help that coworker who's afraid and panicking, introduce them to Jesus Christ. They're like, why are you so calm and chill during all this? It's like, dude, I got this peace that passes all understanding, that guards my heart and my mind. And it doesn't come from me. It comes from Jesus Christ. And he said that I shouldn't have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And so that's how I'm going to live my life. Can I say a prayer for you? I don't have to touch you, I guess, but I can say a prayer for you, right? And pray for him. Be there. Walk with your friends, your neighbors, your family in this. Don't judge and condemn, but take the love that Christ has given you and give it to others. Amen. The peace that he has given to you. So we've been talking these last few weeks, about last words. And these are words from Jesus from the cross. Words that Jesus said as he hung on the cross. And some of these words, he spoke to the the congregation, the crowd, uh, the people that were out there watching him uh, be crucified. And, And some of these words were prayers that he actually said to his father. And that's what one of these we're talking about today. This was a prayer to his father. So let's look at Matthew chapter 27. Verse forty six. It says this: at about in about three o'clock, yeah, and about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, "Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani?" That is, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" All right. So Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's dying. He's hanging there, and he, and he cries out. He says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" So that word "forsaken" means abandoned or deserted. So he's saying, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you deserted me? Why have you forsaken me? So he's hanging on the cross and he says, my God, my God. All right, so let's talk for a little bit this morning about who God is. Would that be all right with everybody? All right, let's talk about some of the nature, the qualities, the attributes of God. All right, so you can see on the screen it says this, God's incommunicable that's a word. Attributes are those divine attributes that cannot be shared or communicated by humanity. They are unique to God's nature and character. All right? So God's incommunicable communicable attributes. They are divine. They are unique to him. They cannot be passed on or transferred to us. These are your characteristics that are unique of God and God only. All right? You ready to look at a few of them? Are you ready to look at a few of them? Yeah. All right. So this is not an exhaustive list, but I think I have five up here that I want you to check out. And so here's the first one. Uh, God's immutability. That's a nice word. You can write that one down if you want. You can take a picture of this screen if you'd like to study this later. You can pick up a study guide out front. You can download the church app, and we've got a study guide on there for you too. But God's immutability is his inability to change. God's immutability is his inability to change to change. That is uniquely something that only God can do. Because you and I, we change our minds about stuff all the time. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Someone said, oh, yeah. Right? I mean, as soon as we make a decision, we change our mind. We're like, oh, was that the right decision? Right? God doesn't have that problem. He, has the, he, he is not able to change. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 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 That's what the Bible says. Yesterday, today, and forever. He is unable to change. God's omnipotence, all right? That is his all-mightiness. God is all-powerful. Okay, now that should make us happy this morning because there are things in this world that we might think have power over us, but we have a God who is all-powerful over everything that is around us. We're still not getting happy. God's omnipotence is his all-mightiness. He is all-powerful. He is all powerful. No matter what we face, we overcome in Jesus' name. No matter what we face, we overcome because God is omnipotent. He is all powerful. He is almighty. His omnipresence, uh, God's omnipresence describes his relationship to space, not like outer space, but just space. He is everywhere. Someone say, everywhere. everywhere. He's everywhere. God is omnipres- omnipresent. He is everywhere everywhere. He's here with us this morning. He's with the folks online. He's with the church down the street. He's with in another country. Like he's everywhere. He's in heaven. He's in another realm. He's in another dimension. He is everywhere. He's living in our hearts, right? He sent his spirit to dwell within us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. God is everywhere. I mean, man, he is everywhere. There's nothing that happens that he doesn't know about. We're getting there. God's omnipresence. He is everywhere. All right, here's some more. A couple more. God's eternity describes his relationship to time. He is every when. You're like, what is that? He's every when. Now, that's a word. It's not a typo. That's a word. There's someone who's like, I'm not so sure that's a word. It is an uncommon word, but it's a word. He is every, that's the only way you can describe it. He is every when, past, present, future. He's every when, no matter the time. He's already ahead of us. The Bible says that before we had lived one day on this earth, that he planned out all of our days. Say what? Like, wait a second. You mean God, let me try something. All right, see if that helps. That every when, that means before we'd lived one day on this earth, God knew COVID-19 was going to show up in 2020. And that he would still be on the throne. And that he would still be omnipresent. He would be everywhere. He would still be all powerful. Because he knows everything and he is every when. So the past, the present, the future, there is nothing that is hidden from God. There is nothing that surprises him, which leads me to my next one. He's omniscient. What's that mean? It means he is all knowing. Look at this. God is ignorant of nothing. God is ignorant of nothing and never has learned anything new. So I got news for you. The stuff going on in the world today is nothing new. And God's not ignorant of it. He knows it. He is all knowing. He is ignorant of nothing and he has never learned anything new. How many of you can say like, Josh, that's me right there. I'm ignorant of nothing and I've never learned anything new. Right? I mean, that's only God can do that. Only he is all-powerful. Only he is all-knowing. Only he is ever-present and ever when. That's it. Just him. Nobody else. Those are his incommunicable attributes. It's a really tough word to say. But basically it means those are his attributes and his alone. And they're awesome. I get excited just talking about them. And then there's some communicable attributes. You want to check those out? These attributes um, of God describe... His, uh, intri- describe God's characteristics, particularly in his activity toward those created in his image. All right? So let's talk about the characteristics that God displays towards us. When he says that you and I were created in the image and the likeness of God, here's some things that he shared with us. He didn't share his omniscience or His omnipresence or any of that stuff, but he did share his goodness. God's goodness is the perfection of his nature and moral excellence. God is good. Someone say God is good. God is good. And so all the time, and all the time God you guys know. All right. So perfection of his nature and moral excellence. He desires that you and I be good. Now, we're not going to be perfect, but he desires that we be good just like he is good. He desires that our actions are good just like he is a good God. Josh, does that mean I have to be perfect? No, you're not going to be. You never will be. The only perfect uh, person to ever walk this earth is Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk about him today. And... Uh, and so, no, he's not expecting perfection, but he's expecting us to, to do the best we can, to want to live like him, to have his nature in us, to, to have the morals that he has lined up and set out for us. And I don't have time to talk about it all today, but God is good. Check this one out. God's love. Someone say love. love. So his love is the divine attribute of giving unconditionally and putting others first. God's love. God is Love. The only reason that we have a capacity to love is because God first loved us, is what John writes. God first loved us. So that's why we, in turn, can love. And, I, and, and the fact that it says it's a divine attribute of giving unconditionally. This word love, agape, love, it is an unconditional love. that says this, I'm going to love you no matter what. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done. Jesus loves you and accepts you just as you are. He's crazy about you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore, and there's nothing that you can do to make him love you any less. He is just head over heels, madly in love with you. There is no condition to his grace. There's no condition to his love. He just freely gives it. He puts you first. He puts you and I first. Let's check out a couple more. The mercy... Of God describes his compassionate forgiveness towards his people. How many of us in here could use some forgiveness? The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Every day they're new. Why? Because we mess up a lot. The mercy of God describes his compassionate forgiveness towards his people. And if we are are to have these in our life as well, that means we should show compassionate forgiveness towards others as well. Josh, I don't know. You better keep moving on. You're meddling. All right, but I just want you to know God's grace is his unmerited divine favor. Sometimes God does things for us just because he loves us, because he favors us. It's not merit. We don't deserve it. Like, you know, for example, his love. We can't earn it, and we don't deserve it, yet he says, here, I'll freely give it to you anyway. Man, that's a good God. So we see a little bit about who God is. That's not an exhaustive list. That's a few things. It's not an exhaustive list. I, expect, I, I encourage you to go home and read through the study guide, to look at the attributes of God, to study in your Bible, to find those attributes and thank God for who he is. So here's the thing. Because of who God is, we just talked a little bit about who God is. And because of the sin in all of humanity, there was a barrier between God and man. Let me read you a scripture in Isaiah 59. It says, See, the Lord's hand is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Rather, your iniquities, your sin, your wrongdoings, have been barriers between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue mutters wickedness. Alright, so we see in Isaiah, he's saying, listen, because of our sin, there was a barrier between us and God. Can we all get that? There was this barrier because God, who we just saw, He's all-knowing and He's all uh powerful, and, and I mean He is perfect and He is love and He is all these things, He cannot hang out with sin. It's not in His nature, He is perfect. There is no sin in Him, there is no darkness in Him, He is light, there is nothing to Him other than that. He is incapable of sin. And he can't be around it. So there was this barrier. The Bible says all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. So there was this barrier between us and him. There was this barrier that kept us apart from God. And here's the good news. Jesus went to the cross to remove that barrier. Well, how did he do that? He placed our sin upon himself. He placed our sin upon himself, and in that moment, he was forsaken by God. Jesus became sin. Remember God, who's holy and pure, who's all of these things. Jesus became sin. He became the barrier, and he broke it down by dying on the cross, but it came at a high price. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you deserted me? Why have you forsaken me? You know, the scripture says that Jesus cried out in a loud voice. That would be difficult on the cross. The way they're hanging by their, their feet and their, their arms, and in order to get a breath, you would have to push yourself up, to breathe, and back down, right? And that's why if you weren't dead... After a certain amount of time, they would go through and they would bust your knees. They'd break your legs because if you couldn't push yourself up anymore, you wouldn't be able to breathe and you'd suffocate and die. Dying on a cross was a cruel thing full of anguish and agony and pain, humiliation. And so Jesus dies on this cross and he was in pain. He was in physical and emotional and spiritual agony. And what did Jesus do in a loud voice? He prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 55, 17 says this, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he will hear my voice. You and I, we can pray to God during our most distressing times. Jesus hung on that cross. you think that was a distressing time for him? Absolutely. And what did he do? He prayed to God. You and I, when we face fear, when we face frustration, when there's distressing times and things that come against us, instead of removing yourself from the presence of God, Instead of turning your back on him and doubting that he exists, you run to him and you say, God, I don't even know what to pray right now, but I'm going to like moan and groan and I'm just going to give my life to you. Because sometimes we can't put words to our frustrations. Sometimes we can't put words to what's really going on inside of us. And so we say, God, you created me. You know how many hairs are on my head. You know me from the inside out. God, I give my life to you. I give my distress to you. Heal my marriage. Heal my addiction. God, I pray right now that you would heal my thinking, whatever it is. Maybe you can't even put words to it. And you just say, God, I need you in this time of distress. And I want you to know that he is there for you. The Bible says when we draw close to him, he draws close to us. So Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's praying to his father. He's praying to God. And he's also quoting scripture. Look at Psalm 22. 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Different scripture. We're in Psalm. We were in Matthew. Here we are, Psalm 22. David, and he's saying, why are you so far from helping me? from the words of my groaning. So here's David, the psalmist, and he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's suffering, he's going through something, but he cries out to God. So here's Jesus dying on the cross, and what does he do? He quotes scripture. Hide God's word in your heart so that you don't sin against him. But in times of distress, can it be helpful? You bet. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? right? He quotes scripture. He's praying to God. There is an importance of reading God's word, quoting God's word, and praying God's word. Last night we had our Father. It's a prayer service. We do them the second Saturday of every month. And there weren't a lot of us here last night. There was about 20 of us. And we got together and we prayed in a circle. And we held hands. And then we washed our hands when we were done. But we held hands, and it was such a powerful time to come together and pray for today's services, to pray for everything going on in our country, in our, our town, in our little bit of Iowa, and we, we made sure that we prayed to God. Amen. Right. And we quoted scripture, and we just, it was such a fun time. Some of you were here. Wasn't it a fun time? Amen. It was a fun time, and I got news for you. We're doing another one April 11th, All right. yeah. and we didn't even plan it, but that's the night before Easter. Went all through the house, not a, no, I'm just kidding. So the night before Easter, we're going to get together and we're going to pray. We're going to read the scriptures and we're going to pray together. If you haven't been to an Our Father yet, I pray you could come out Amen. to that one. So Jesus is on the cross and he's quoting scripture and he's praying to God. He's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is tough. We've got to understand this this morning. This is tough for Jesus. Yeah, he was beaten. He was whipped. He was punished. He was humiliated. He was mocked. He was spit on. All of these things. But this was tough for Jesus. This caused him great pain. Jesus is God's son in whom God delighted and in whom God was well pleased. Look at Isaiah 42. It says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, I put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. Look at Matthew 3. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. God loves Jesus. God was well pleased at who Jesus is. He said he will bring forth justice to the nation. I have put my spirit upon him. God had always been pleased with his son, but as Jesus became our sin, he could no longer be pleased with his own son. The very son that he put his presence on the very son that he said will bring justice to the nation the son that he said i am well pleased by him taking our sin god could no longer be pleased with his one and only son think about that that is tough we have a hard time when people turn their backs on us and forsake us abandon us jesus is going through this in that moment God withdrew his presence from Jesus. Can you imagine that? God had always been with Jesus. Always. But in this moment, he turned from his son. Jesus was talking about his own death. And a voice came from heaven to comfort him and those with him. Look at John 12. Jesus is saying this, Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. God speaking, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. So when Jesus was struggling with this idea that he is going to die, when he was talking about his own death, God said and spoke to him. God was there in that moment. When Jesus was in agony, in anguish in the garden, he was praying to God and he said, man, let this cup pass from me. I I know what's coming. I know I'm going to be turned over uh, into the hand of sinners. I know I'm going to be crucified. I know what is before me. He was in anguish, in agony, and an angel appeared from heaven to strengthen him. Look at Luke 22. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. So we see in times of anguish, in times of when when Jesus was feeling the weight of what was going to happen to him, God was there. He spoke, he sent an angel, but now Jesus is dying on the cross. He's saying, Father, he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's no angel. There's no voice. There's no help. God withdraws his spirit from the son he loves. God hid his face from him. Christ suffered greatly on that cross. How many of you could say amen to that? But I feel like one of his greatest sufferings was when his father turned his back. When his father stood at a distance, he cried out. Why is God forsaking his son? Here's the thing. Jesus becomes sin. And God's punishment for sin is death. God can have no part in that sin. So here's Jesus on a cross becoming sin our sin. And God the Father looks at him and says, I can have no part of that. My wrath is poured out completely and wholly on Jesus. The wages of sin is death. Jesus paid the price, the ultimate price for our sins. He died so that we don't have to die to our sins. He died so that we can have an everlasting life with God the Father. Jesus willingly was forsaken. That relationship with his heavenly father, even if it was for just a moment, was severed and broken. God turns his back on the son that he loves. You say, man, why? Why would Jesus do that? Why would he be made a sin, a curse for us? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. For our sake someone say, for my sake. For For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, Jesus Christ knew no sin, never sinned, lived a blameless, perfect life. I mean, wrap your head around that for a minute. Most of us have like made a mistake since we woke up this morning. Right, Jesus lived a perfect, blameless life, knew no sin, and on the cross became sin. Why on earth would he do that? So that you and I could become righteous. What does that even mean? So that you and I could be placed in a right standing with God. So that you and I could be forgiven. So that you and I could be made whole. So that old creation has passed away and behold, all things have become new. He came to give us a new life. And so he took that punishment upon himself. We're put in right standing with God because Jesus became our sin. Look at Romans 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us much surely then now that we have been justified by his blood we will be sa- will we be saved through him from the wrath of god so that's what jesus did he saved us from the wrath of God. You and I as sinners, we deserved the wrath of God. We deserved the punishment for all the mistakes we had ever made. And that punishment was death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And so that's the gift that we get. He not only leaves us a peace that the world can't ever gives us, but he gives us the gift that offers us eternal life with Jesus Christ, with God our Father forever and ever. Christ died for us while we were sinners. Why would he do that? Because of his nature, his unconditional love for us. So here's my bottom line this morning, and I'm done. Jesus was forsaken so we could be forgiven. Jesus was forsaken so that you and I could be forgiven. Jesus was abandoned by his Father so that we could find forgiveness. That's good news. So that our life could be eternally changed. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.